Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Leah Punch is our guest today. How's the farm? I'm good. Thanks for having me, lads. Oh, we're delighted to have you on. We were just chatting there, and then I said, no, I... Roll it because we'd be only repeating ourselves. But you're from Mayfield. You're living on the south side. Yeah, so I grew up in Mayfield. Um, I moved out to the country for for a few years as well. So we lived out in Carrigan for like 10 years. Grand spot out there. Lovely, but I think at the time it was the wrong time to move us. So I was like, you know, finding my feet. We wanted to be able to run the place. What age were you? Uh, just going into first year. So you moved to Mayfield? I moved to Carrigan Oh, you moved to Carrigan Fr- from? From Mayfield. Oh, so I yeah. went to secundary school in Carrigan Um oh, yeah. So I was like isolated. The cows were my neighbours. Like, you yeah, know, I yeah, think yeah. They, our park was all like young families. Great. Like obviously for mm. young children, I suppose. But I yeah. think when you move, when you're so used to living in a city, built up area. Yeah. We bared, we'd one shop, like there was nothing to do. I was just a bit kind of overwhelmed, I think. See, Mayfield, the Carrig Navarre is a big upgrade when you're an adult. But when you're 12, it's the last thing you want. Yeah, we despised it. Like, and I mean, I'd run back there now, do you yeah. know. Carrig Navarre is a nice old spot. No, Mayfield is grand too. I don't want any haters from Mayfield. <laughs> Mayfield's a grand spot. But when you get older and you're looking for a bit more peace and quiet and get out of the busyness, Carrig Navarre is only out the road. Yeah, 10 minutes, like, yeah. from Dublin Hill to... Well, home at the time, I suppose. So did you spend your teenage years out there? Um, so I actually ended up dropping out of school at 15 um, and I moved up to my nan's house in Mayfield. Um, I went to Mayfield Training Centre. So I spent like two years up there. That's like an ETB. Uh, at the time, oh. yeah, it was a fast, but it's it's kind of revamped now. And yeah. like, you know, I was probably looking back. I only called up to the lads last week and... How beneficial that was for me at that time when I just didn't realise it, you know. And the stuff we were doing up there. Um, so I went in and done a fitness course and then I done computers and I went on then to do um, childcare and college com. You did a lot up there, so. Yeah, I spent two years. I didn't want to leave really because yeah. we kind of had it easy, you know. We were well looked after and I suppose, as I said, they were actually great support system. Always someone there to listen to us and I suppose guide us and we were fed and watered. Like, do you know what more could you want yeah. somewhere? We a natural academically was there something that um, no so I actually like that now I think um, since a young age I'd always be like having to get the homework done I'd you know put the head down I think secondary school I really started to struggle um, I actually got diagnosed with ADHD May this year oh, yeah. so looking back now there was a lot of things that actually make sense now um, I'd find it very hard to concentrate and, you know, reading things, process information just takes me that bit longer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously now, I think obviously girls mask ADHD, like it's in the it's in the family. My own son is waiting to be assessed at the moment. And I was looking at him, I was like, he's just a mini version of me. Mm-hmm. So... And you went into College of Calm as well? I went to College of Calm then when I was just turned 18. What year was that? So I actually can't even think now. I was, was was everything in your life going smoothly at that Not, stage? Well, I suppose was like drink, it was drinking drugs oh, and stuff. Apparently, like, like when I was young, I was wild. But I think I was always, I always had that. Uh, what's the word? Streak. Rebe- rebellious streak. <laughs> I was like was a rebel. Rebel, but like I would have been around the place. We drank every weekend. Like you know, we were out doing whatever. Like and. It's probably one of the best times looking back. You know, we had a, we used to have great times. We swept the fields, like, and there was no trouble as such. But I think I always had that thing about me. If I felt uncomfortable, I'm gone. No. I have that, fe- like, a sixth sense. So I was never kind of in trouble. Just happy go Larry, like, just live my best life kind of a thing. No, you made a, you made a good point there, or you said something that was interesting, right? That, you know, looking back, drinking and whatever, good days. There was somebody commented on one of our videos the other day on YouTube 
and it got me thinking. He said, uh, we were talking about, you know, the good old days, back in the day, teenagers, drinking, taking ecstasy is what, what he was talking about. He was saying, I used to look back in those days and think, you know, there were some of the best days in my life, he says. But as I got older, I realised that in the most important years of my development, I was throwing loads of drugs down my body, which hampered his development, you know. And I think about back, like when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, your brain, your body is maturing, but when you're taking on those drugs, it has to have a detrimental impact yeah, on the development, you know, yeah. in compared to somebody that went through those years without all those drugs, you know? Yeah, like I would have done drugs and things like I, I'd try anything. I was mad as a hatter, I'd say, but you know, like that. But it's normal for a teen. Yeah, like you know? try things, like I would have been drinking young, but like that. My my parents were actually open to leave me drink, so then I could always go home. I wasn't out pretending I was in a friend's house. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't hiding it, so I literally, I, I knew I, I had control. My mum had control. Yeah. So like they just collect me. Yeah. So I go for a few hours and I go home. Obviously, got a bit older then, like, it probably, you know, it's been, I used to be inside town, Mangans, I'd say, about 16, like. Yeah. It sounds like the relationship you had with your parents, that sounds like it was actually good. Yeah, like, I came from, like, I suppose, a normal working class family, you know, um, and like that, like, I suppose, we, we had every everything we kind of needed, I suppose, you know, but like, I think as, I, as I'm growing older, you know, I think I look at things and be like, mm, that could have been different. And I always felt, uh, especially now because I went to FOSS, you know, some people might have had it harder than me. But then I used to be like, I can't feel that way because they had less than me. And then I'm like, I've realised now what I felt is what I only know. Mm. So you kind of just accept, you know, if you felt a certain way yeah. about something yeah, yeah. So like that gets me to the point like my weight loss journey. So like uh weight did you lose? Um so I weighed over twenty two stone once upon a time and I'm ten and a half now. So you lost half your body. Yeah, weight. twelve stone like. So bring us back a little bit back then and fast. Was the, was was there an issue with, with mental health or or overeating at this stage? We my weight started from a young age. So I my first memory of my weight was a communion. Um, inside Roche stores trying to get my communion dress and I couldn't find a dress that fitted me. Um, I suppose back then it was kind of, you know, not like they used to cater for, yeah. you know, heavier children or whatever. So like, you know, all the kind of fancy puffy dresses and obviously my mum was trying to be nice about things and I actually remember to this day, like she's got me a nice plain silk kind of a dress but I wanted the big dress which I obviously couldn't because I would have well, I could have, I suppose, but they didn't fit me anyway. Um, so that was the first thing that I remember, like, with the weight and, like, we were given proper food, you know. We always had, like, proper dinners. I was and I was eating shit, but I was just always overeating. Um, and I just couldn't control it. I basically felt like a wheelie bin, like, just open it and keep filling it and I'd just keep going. Was there a lot of guilt and shame? Yeah, so it was like a vicious, a vicious cycle, like eating. And I, I even, so like from a young age, I was in fifth class, like I was asking my mum, like I didn't want to be this way and I wanted help. So my mum went to the GP and I was referred to dietitians, like very young. I was put on milkshake diets, like through the chemist in Balavlan. I never forget it. I was going down and weigh, get weighed. And I used to be drinking these meat replacements. But sure, like my mum, they weren't taught about nutrition. Like, you know, calories in, calories out. You know, I think we're all way more aware of what we consume these days. Um, so, like, she was trying her best. She was, like, trying, giving her her potatoes, poppies, veg, yeah. and sliced just, pan. Just a mountain of them. Yeah, <laughs> and eating bread on top of it your dinner, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my mum used to actually work night shifts, like, evenings. So my brother, all the minding us. So, like, I used to probably have my dinner and probably eat on it because no one was kind of watching me. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? I had a free, like, what height are you? five foot. What's your uh, calorie intake at the moment to maintain what you have? Um, so I got a gastric bypass. So, like, yeah, talk about it. Yeah, so, I suppose my weight started very young and then got worse and worse. When I went to FOSS, then in Mayfield, I done the fitness course. So, I did trim up because we were doing, we we're training every day. Did you get a lot of awareness around I did, eating and stuff? I did, like, and you know, but it was like something I still couldn't control. Yeah, yeah. Um. So like that, I went, ended up going to college, come, dropped out after three months, went to Australia for a year. 
had a hoolie over there. Way better than the college. <laughs> Do you know what? Now I just needed out. There was a lot of things kind of just going on and like my mental health was obviously suffering, but it was obviously all down to my weight and I just wasn't aware of anything back then. You know, I just I just wanted out. My dad actually went to Australia and I followed him over. Um, so I lived there for a year, but then realised, I'm like, I can't survive over here. I need to come home and educate myself, you know, to to get a proper job that I can live comfortably. Um, so I ended up getting pregnant um, a year after I was home. Uh, just when I finished the childcare course, I actually came home, went back to college, finished the childcare course, but ended up getting pregnant. And I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was 26 weeks. So like that, people say, how did you know? And I genuinely did not know. All my tests were negative. I actually had an ultrasound on my ovaries in the Mercy Hospital and I was three weeks pregnant because they thought I had like cysts because my menstrual cycle was after going every second month. So, you know, my weight was probably affecting that, they were saying. They just said they'll check. Um, what weight were you at this stage? Uh, about 17 stone was my norm. Yeah. Kind of like late teens, early 20s. That's where I'd hover. Do you know, I could maintain that up and down a few pounds. Um, so I was like, sure, well, I'm not pregnant. My period was just gone. So I was like, I don't know what's after happening. And in the end, anyway, when I went back to my GP, because I was like, I thought I'd get a hernia or something. I just didn't feel right. I had all the symptoms going anyway in the meantime. Mm. But sure, if someone tells you you're not and the tests were negative, you know. Um, I was like, sure, what? And then I went to the GP, I'll never forget it. It was like a Friday evening, six o'clock, the day of my mom's birthday. And she's like, yeah, we'll just do another test. And she done it and it was like very faint line. I was like, sorry. So <laughs> got out, um, they, they checked like the heartbeat mm. and it was Boom, 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 boom. She was like, Lee, you're anything from 20 to 30 weeks. I nearly went off in a weakness. <laughs> so How many weeks is a full tone? 40. <laughs> so I literally was like, nah. I did went straight to my nan's because she lived around the corner for my doctors. Told her straight away. She was just looking at me and I went, like, what? <laughs> but look, the baby... Do, do, do you know, like when women are pregnant, they, they obviously put on a bit of weight, but... Like, like nothing, nothing, not, nothing at all. The the next day, the bump came out. I'm not exaggerating. It like literally, it, that just goes to show how much our bodies protect. Yeah. Like I was drinking and everything. Like I was more concerned about that, you know, because I had to go back. To, I went to the hospital the following week and I was 27 weeks. They'd done like full in-depth, you know, Check. scans and the whole lot. And they said like everything was fine. I did have gestational diabetes. Uh, which I was monitoring um, and I was brought into hospital 39 plus one. So a week kind of early just because I was diabetic. They don't leave you go over. No. So I was brought in on a Wednesday and, do you know, didn't know what I was expecting. Mm. Here we go. So I was 22. So we went in and I literally was there anyway. They they so they when they induce you they give you like a rounds of gel so I think I got two or three rounds of that. Nothing was happening. Then Thursday they broke my waters at three o'clock, and I was still there Friday morning. So I was nineteen hours. My waters broke, and only one centimeter, which I should have been C-sectioned hours before. So that was grand. I didn't know. What, I didn't know. I was just going along and I went to any like prenatal classes or, you know, so I wasn't aware, like it wasn't normal. Actually, my midwife, I went home the night before, came back and she's like, why are you still here? There was just emergency cases coming in in front of me and you know, everything was fine with me. So they kind of just left me there basically. So that was grand. Emergency C-section. The child ended up in neonatal that evening. And um, so his blood sugars are after dropping. And then... I was just broke up. That's the only, I can't describe. I didn't know how I was supposed to feel. Um, and it's actually mad because I'm like, you know, if you leave a hospital now, they tell you, if you feel this way or that way, come back in there. I couldn't even put my slippers on. I couldn't even get out of the bed. I was in so much pain. And I remember my mom saying, that's not normal. Like you're leaving her go like that now. And they're like, no, she's fine. So I got, I went home on um, a Monday. Yeah, it was a Monday, I think. So Friday, Saturday. Monday, yeah. And I went to my own GP on the Wednesday because I was just feeling very unwell and in severe pain, like in the C-section wound. Um, and then Thursday, I was getting worse. So 
I my aunt brought me back into the hospital Thursday evening and basically I was rushed down to the high dependency unit and the maternity ward. Uh, they didn't know what was wrong. They thought maybe but blood clot. So the team were working like to see what was yeah. going on, bloods, the whole lot. And basically they told me I had sepsis. So I was um, transferred to ICU a week after my son was born. So like that, I was very unwell at the time. So I didn't know what. I was just going with the flow, obviously. Um, so they'd wait. Uh, there's only 10 beds in the, CU, in the CUH. Like, so they'd wait to move someone out with me in, basically. So I went into ICU. I remember everything. It was just absolutely horrendous. I don't know, it was because I was an overdrive and I was like mother mode kicking in. I should be at home with my baby. Um, but like I had to, they put me into an induced coma. It was very dangerous, sepsis, like it's yeah. potentially fatal. So like if I didn't go in, I would have been found dead, they taught me. So my lungs are failing. I was in an induced coma, I had a full ventilator. Um, so they actually put me into like a private room then. I think I, can't, I think there's three or four private rooms up in the ICU because I just wasn't switching off. Um, they were like giving me like all medication obviously to work, but then they figured out what infection I had, like I'd say about 10 hours later. So I had an infection called Pseudomonas. So they had to like withdraw the antibiotic that was in me to put in a different one to fight the infection. And I was hallucinating. I was, I actually felt like my bed was like in a Transformers. I was seeing doctors kicking babies around the hospital, rats. I was full blown hallucinating. hallucinating. And oh my, I was like, I was trying to vomit then, but I was getting fed through the, the oh, I was just... Like that. I was a week in intensive care and I spent a further three weeks in, in hospital. How old was the baby? So he was at home. What you call him? Shay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm like, at the start, I was like calling the baby for like a year. I was like, I couldn't. When you when you have a child like that, it's like, how would you call, give him a name? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> the name has to fit him, don't it? Yeah, it's pretty like the baby. So yeah, I spent four weeks in hospital and then when I came home, shit hit the fan. Uh, so I suffered severe postnatal depression, severe PTSD from being in intensive care. Um, and it was very, very traumatic. Like, so I actually gained six stone in 10 months after that. I locked myself away. I suddenly leave, like, to go out to get nappies and the bare few bits and going out drinking on a week. We're being at this stage. Then. At home. At home. Yeah. No, Mayfield. Yeah. So I, I used to only go out... Um, like, you know, to go shopping and just out drinking basically once a week just to get out. But I just, so then I really hit rock bottom my weight. I was over 22 stone. Can I ask you what kind, like, can you give us, a, like, what a typical day of eating is like to put for somebody's, your height to put on that much weight? I don't know, was it down to like all medications at the time? Because yeah. I actually, when I think of it, it is a lot. To, but like, see, that's I used, that's how bad I used to fluctuate. I could lose three stone and have it back on in a month or six weeks. Mm. So that's obviously the amount of overeating I was doing. And um, but like that, I remember. Just overeating it, it, is it, a continuous stroke today. Yeah, and not not really not really binging. Like I probably used binge clearly, yeah. uh, but it was more so just overeating constantly. Like I remember, like my breakfast would get up, I could just have like six slices of toast yeah. with a cup of tea. Yeah, six like. Do you know, I remember my favourite thing is to love to say pita breads. Do the large pita pockets, tuna, mayonnaise, lettuce, egg. But I'd have two large ones, two cans of tuna and two packs of potatoes. Yeah. Breakfast. Well, for say lunch. Yeah, for but lunch, I'm like, that's yeah. double, yeah. that's double portion. Like, yeah. you know, and then I had a fair sweet tooth, still do. Um, and then just at night time, then I was always going to be getting takeaways and things. Mm -hmm. It was like my body... It was a vicious cycle. I was I was craving the food because I wanted it. If it made me feel good in that moment, it made me feel like oh, it just I satisfied. I know what it done to me. It's like a drug. Let me just. Was there a lot of purging as well when all this? No, I never. Was it always retain the food? Always oh, retain. Did, what about the aspect of it? Did you like that? To purge? Did you? Not. I'd be so. I'd be. I'd be so full. I probably feel like getting the gawks, but I never actually got sick. There's no mental side of it telling it to, like, no way believe people would believe me. Mm. They'll eat and they'll overeat and they'll, and then they'll go to the toilet and they'll make themselves sick. Yeah, no, never like that. But like mentally then to myself, 
I am living my best life. Like, I actually was only thinking the other day, me and my friend just get the big Don and Don Tellos. Like, that's 22 inch or something. Mm. I'd eat half that. Yeah. Mm. That's how, like, that's a lot. Like, that's that, six or seven thousand calories, I'd say, in that thing. That's a lot of food, like, for one sitting. Like, so I was able to, like, eat a lot. Um, so I do. Even, some people can overeat but not eat that much physical food do you know what I mean like if if for example overeating is like consuming more calories than you need mm. like it doesn't mean like sitting down eating 24 hours of the day so like if if, if your takes 2,500 calories to maintain my weight yeah if I eat 3,500 after overeating but you could easily like if you had a McDonald's you had a half a Big Don or you had a, the, a King Dino burger and you're after having a fry for your breakfast next you're having biscuits which are, you could have five or 6,000 calories there easy easy and that's exactly what I was and I was eating all the wrong things you know so I wasn't kind of aware and I suppose obviously like after having my son like that's the biggest thing. Like I was actually kind of on my own. Like there was no support from the hospital. Like I'm actually um, like involved now with there's a new charity, Irish Sepsis Foundation. There are no many. Yeah. Yeah. We launched it. You know that. Oh, did you? Did you? So I was on the <laughs> I was on the news the other day because James uh, kind of reached out to me and I'm like, Do you know what? Like how beneficial that would have been to me in that moment, because going through sepsis, I had an open wound for six months. And like that could have helped me in that aspect, you know, just kind of learning off other people and people that are just going through it or past it. I think like these kind of groups are very beneficial for people going through things, you know. Um, so and like social media, there's ver there's good like positive things for social media for support like that. Yeah. This podcast will be released in relation to the sepsis because it's sepsis month. Mm. Uh, so we released it says to raise awareness about yeah. this, this, for this month. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. how did you, how did the sepsis recovery, like how long did it take it to get yourself back physically healthy? So like that, like going through the process, like it was actually all a blur. Looking back, I'm like, I don't remember much. Like I do, like I was traumatised, like, but my wound was on for six months. Like I probably wasn't back to myself. Like I think I was still going to the hospital for a year. And I think after the 12 months, I was up to six stone. So I was obviously dealing with it still, you know. And I was like, right, I need to get my shit together. Uh, you know, I'm back to slim world. Then I was like, try, try to tackle the weight because that was the biggest consequences that I had to deal with was the weight gain from having sepsis, I suppose, and the postnatal depression. Um, it was my comfort. And I suppose having that addiction towards food from, from, from years, that's what made me feel good. So that's exactly what I done. Um, so I ended up reaching out to my GP when my son was two and a half. So I was after losing three stone twice between when he was one and two and a half. So I lost six stone, you could say in a year and a half, but gained it back. Yeah. <laughs> and I just said, look, my GP was actually after retiring um, when my son was one. So I'd never really went to the doctor. So I felt like I was like an alien up there, you know, I just didn't feel the support. But look, I reached out and I said, I'm just fed up. I can't live like this anymore. I said, my whole life battling my weight, you know, and now I'm worse than I ever was after going through mm. a traumatic experience. And I was like, I, I can't do it. So they referred me to Lachlan's town up in Dublin, the weight management clinic. I waited two years um, for an appointment. So I went there March 2019. Yeah. And I was very overwhelmed when I went up there because I was 20, 27 at the time. And yeah, I was 27 at the time. And I was like, just kind of looking around me, you know, and there was all these extra large chairs, extra large door frames. And like people that would have been kind of a lot heavier than me, but also a lot older, you know. And my friend actually came up with me and she was kind of a bit like, oh, it was just, she, you know, this girl never strode her away, but she was kind of like, we just, we didn't know what, I didn't know what to say to her. I was like, what did you think of that? She goes, I don't know. And I kind of went away from it and I was like, I don't need this. I said to myself, I don't need it. So I was there, I was like back on the bandwagon, try to lose weight again. And then it was summer. So it was like four months later. And I was working in a preschool in Blackpool at the time and it was finished for the summer. And I remember just sitting there and it was a lovely day now. And I was just sitting on the couch and I was sweating, just sitting, dripping. And I just thought to myself, first of all, I know I should be down the beach or at the playground with my son. 
but I'm actually sitting here, no quality of life, mm. can't actually move because the heat is killing me. Everything was a struggle at that stage, you know. Mm. Could barely plan my shoes, could barely tie my laces. You know, it was just, the clean the house is even a workout. Um, and I had no life, like I wasn't able to walk far. I actually went to London, my aunt was living in London for a while. And like we went over to like the Shrek and yeah. Legoland on them. And my mom, she only told me this afterwards, like when I did start losing weight, but like she remember my, listening to my breathing, even just walking a normal thing that, you know, you take for granted, I suppose. And it was just a struggle. So, suppose, you know, like, just outside of all that, your relationships, you know, a relationship with a man, you know, having sex, all these Yeah, things, it's just... They all stop, like, because of things like this as well. And as well, because of, like, the tra post-traumatic stress, like, everything was just fucked, if you ask me. Um, so, I ended up researching surgery abroad then in that summer, because they told me waiting 68 years for weight loss surgery in Ireland... And I was like, she could be dead by then. Mm. So I started researching abroad, found a clinic and was going to wait till like April the following year because I was like trying to get money together. Well. In Lithuania. So I ended up getting the money together. So I went sooner rather than later. Is it expensive? Uh, so the surgery was 6150 and then you pay for your flights and accommodation. But I actually got reimbursed the money off the HSE through cross bar directive, someone only mentioned this to me when I was a year and a half post-op. So I'll get to that in a few minutes. Chris. So like I was, you know, I went abroad for my surgery. I was absolutely shitting it. Me and my mom were like, where are we going? You know, but ended up being absolutely amazing, you know. Um, obviously coming home, then there's no support. My GPs weren't a bit supportive of me going abroad. Um, Something I, w I was going to ask you before you continued, do you know the psychological aspect of uh, why you were actually putting on so weight, so much weight? Did you ever, ever sit down with a therapist or anything like that and talk about why you couldn't stop eating or go to any overeaters uh, anonymous meetings or anything like that just to try to understand what was going on for you yeah so like i went i had counseling after she was born so i did go to a few but like basically your one said to me i think you're over it mm. and i was like that's grand but like like that i think i was like building up a wall and now i have four years post-op so there was a lot of self-development and looking into my life and why I might have been a certain way and like that, like nothing traumatic happened me growing up, but there was just the, I suppose, the emotional aspect. My mom used to work in the evenings. I was like, was it something to do because my mom wasn't at home? And, you know, we try to think of why. Um, but I, as I said, I got diagnosed with the ADHD and there's actually like a link, a proven link with obesity in women and ADHD. So it's like a chemical imbalance with the overeating. Mm. So I was like, that makes sense because I'm like, there's nothing. Obviously, after having my son, yeah, there there was a reason, do you know. Mm. But other than that, like, yeah, it's it, it, it was it's it nearly my yeah. genetics, like, yeah. it, it, there's a correlation with addiction with the ADHD across the board. Yeah, like I've OCD. Uh, yeah. shopping addiction food <laughs> get the drug addiction yeah either. well yeah uh, well well, well <laughs> I know, well, you know um, stay away from the drugs I, you? but like that yeah there's yeah. definitely you have addictive tendencies yeah fruits, I, definitely yeah. What yeah. was it like? Well, what was the procedure like? Like, is it very invasive? Is it very sore? Or how does it work? So, um, it's keyhole surgery. Uh, I was in pain for about three weeks. I remember I had an awful, like, felt like a stitch under here. But this was like, they move, and I'm going to say it now because I'll probably get it wrong. They move one, some organ here anyway yeah. <laughs> to get access. So, it's just, it just like feels like a bad stitch. Um, it's probably one of the worst surgeries I recovered from, being honest. Because uh, I've had had lots of skin removal surgeries since then, um, but I will talk about it in a few okay, minutes. I know, I know. So I suppose go through the process of the weight loss surgery. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's like weight loss surgery is obviously a very popular thing you would say these days. And With the talky teeth, it's up there, like very like. And you know what? I think my Instagram page when I started it, I remember reaching out for support. I wasn't getting it off my GPs. I wasn't. There was no one to help me. I obviously went abroad. There was actually no one that I could talk to. I was talking to Americans, and like they're very like far fetched, and we've completely different types of foods. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't really relate to them. So I was like, I'm, and that's why I started my Instagram page because I was like. I like just document it and see how I go. And it's like nearly like a diary mm. that I kind of have to show up and do like, you know, kind of egged me on a bit. Um, so going through the process, like it is hard. Um, so I had my surgery October 2019 and then we went into the pandemic March 2019. So probably one of the best times for me because I was actually at home. Everything was shut. But like I was feeding the whole house then, like, so I still had the tendency to be cooking and a feeder, like I'd call myself, like. You were doing what your mum, your mum did, that's what you yeah. were doing. Yeah, my mum was actually in England, so I, yeah, feeder, like, so like still love doing all that, like cooking and, you know, giving people food because I was like, I couldn't eat it. Are you a good cook? Yeah. <laughs> you from the, the, the surgery, it was a band, was it? A bypass, so. Bypass, so, so does, what does it actually do? Does it stop you from, does it stop me from eating too much food like does it shrink your appetite yeah so my your esophagus basically bypasses your stomach so you have a little pouch so it's like a newborn baby basically so they, do they implant that pouch in your belly? no so it's actually surgically so they rerouted my tummy basically so they made a new stomach so it's small yeah. uh, so like I was on liquids for like four weeks and you have to build up your tolerance but like I'm now obviously four years and I can eat everything again so it can it does stretch uh, but then obviously you won't want to be surviving on what you're surviving after surgery because I was malnourished, I would I would say now, like, yeah. uh, you know, because I wasn't getting enough food into me. Um, I lost like nine stone in 10 months. Um, and then like the last kind of stone, I was after, I was 20 stone, five pound the day of surgery. Um, so like 10 stones in surgeries after losing a stone and a half myself before the surgery but like that surgery isn't a quick fix you know you have to change your whole life um, like I went away and done a PT course I think you're actually doing it now I didn't go ahead really. oh didn't you no but I might do it in January but I, I done that but yeah. Joe you know now I wasn't too sure like what kind of line you know would I go into PT or was it just just for myself. Oh, I'm actually that's, coming out of the pandemic. thinking about doing it. Like, coming out of the pandemic, I was like, sure, I might as well do I'm after loads of courses. Like, yeah, uh, I know I am. But done that and like loved it. But I was like, I really could see then like the enjoyment of, you know, exercise. So like I've completely changed my whole life around really. And it's not just like physically, it's mentally and emotionally. Like, um, so. I remember the first time I come across you, I was on Instagram. And I've seen you very uh, brave to put yourself up on Instagram like that when you're underwear. But I could see a lot of the excess skin. Mm. Like, what's it like when you lose so much weight, such a short, short period of time? And then, like, when, when you're left with the skin, like, is that like another, that's another job that needs to be done, another task? And it, it is like, and, you know, I'm very obviously fortunate, lucky that I was able to get it done because not everyone can afford these things. But like that, I had to go 
back abroad for my surgeries. So I went back for another three rounds of surgeries. Yeah, so I'm after going there every year for the last four years. Yeah, it was working. Why not? So I had... I'd, lo- I'd loose skin everywhere. So I had an FDL 360 tummy tuck. So basically <laughs> it's like a lower body lift and a tummy tuck. I then went back for, and I had my arms done. So I'm actually cut. So I don't know if you have excess skin. Do they cut away the skin and stitch the... Yeah, so they'll stitch it all. Your arms actually look perfect. They look yeah. great. Considering somebody who is 28, 22 stone. They, well, they removed most of it, like, um, so I had, like, a breast lift, an armpit lift. So it was sore, was it? Do you know what, now? I'd actually go... It Pe- Like, I do recover very well, but also it's a mental aspect. Like, you know, you're, you are laid out for a few weeks, but I think I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I can give my body what it needs, you know, you have to ride the wave, like... Do you think you smiled as much as you did back then than you do today? Well, I am definitely happier, but I was always outgoing and, you know, my weight, like, didn't hold me back, back. Mm. But it had an awful impact, I suppose. Um, and, like, actually, uh, one of the women that I used to be in touch with, um, community worker, I actually messaged her the other day because I'm starting UCC today. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, like, I actually messaged her. She messaged me back and she said, Leah, you came to me in 2017. So I actually remember it and like she was kind of like telling me in a nice way, you're not ready, like, you know. Um, but it was just like she obviously, and it was actually after speaking to her in the January that I actually reached out to my GP in February. So whatever she said to me, obviously clicked something in my in my head. Um, and like obviously going through the whole process. Now I'm four years post-op next month from my weight loss surgery but it's just going from strength to strength but I'm also doing the work like you know I'm very aware of like just everything mm. you know um, do you know when you have the surgery and uh, but you have a whole lifetime of eating habits um, like how did that work like were you eating and you were getting full were you going were you going back to the fridge because um, because of habit you're going back to the fridge to cupboard and then you realise no you're not can't eat that or I don't want to eat it like how does that work like the first few ones were horrendous and my my older brother would be fairly healthy like and I remember he got loonies I'm sure three times in the one week when I first came home I was like you don't even you don't even need it you don't even eat it and you're actually eating it in front of me even I was crying because I couldn't eat yeah 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 um, and it was it was it was hard but like that I changed GP when I after a year and a half, I moved GP. I found an amazing doctor. And actually, they're all lovely in the surgery because she's after having two babies in the last two years. So, so I actually didn't get to see her half the time. Um, but I just changed everything. And it's just after changed my whole world. So obviously, my weight just held me back in all aspects. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and like leaving school so young, just, I'm just after getting this fire in me that I just want to push like the biggest thing for me now is security for the future so like right here I am starting UCC like I thought UCC was for the others never my life would I think I'd be you know a student at 31 years of age I'm 32 now November Um, but obviously I had to take the scenic route because now it's like looking back I genuinely believe that everything happened for a reason because if that didn't happen after I had my son I think I would have just carried on living the way I was living Mm. miserable basically so now I'm just like so grateful you know for everything and I think the biggest thing even you know being on as I share my journey online and like anyone else you know looking online Instagram can be the biggest like killer to your own ego I suppose and your own that's what I was going to ask you next like you should be very careful what you I suppose consume what you're watching you know I loved Instagram at the start because it was like during the pandemic, I had time to help people and I, I all, like, I try to reply to everyone, but it's just not possible. Like for me now, I'm like taking a big step back from like social media because I obviously have other priorities, you know, get to college work. And like, you'd be scrolling for hours, you know, uh, but comparison, like comparing yourself to others, you know. What about the side of the dark side of Instagram? where you have these troll pages and people that are just not well in mm. themselves and they want to upset you 
how do you deal with stuff like that or is it something you never got? Like I do get, like I've, I probably can count in my hands like how many messages I got in the last four years. Like I actually don't give a fuck. <sighs> like obviously it gets to me and it's like the biggest thing though, I don't show like my son, I stop showing like very early because I'm like, the, I'm glad I got the awareness very early days. Um, and it's look, I don't mind people sharing and I obviously show everything. And I'm kind of like, oh, but I'm like, that's part of my journey. It's not that it's, it's just something, you know, that can help others. But for me, it's like you have, you have all, you, you're one person, but you have your family, your friends, like my mom gets spotted now, you know, they like know who she is. And I just find even for my child, I'm like, I don't want to even put him out there. Because it's your decision. Because it's my, it's my decision. And then years coming for my child. Yeah. Like, why did you put me on that and affect his whole mental health then going you know I'm just like but you know you're on about uh, going to the UCC 31 30s is a good age to be a social worker because if you're going into social work let's say if you did a, your degree and you were qualified at 25 or 26 and then you're going in and you're the social worker for this young man that's 25 or 26 it can be difficult yeah but when you're in your 30s you're a bit mature a bit more life experience you have a bit more credibility with the service users or, or client. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? They're not looking at sure what do they you know she's only out of college 24 yeah. years of age. Whereas you, by the time you finish now, you'll be 35. I think that's a good age. I'll be 36. Yeah. And if I stay on longer two masters, I'll be nearly 40. I'd say, come out of UCC. <laughs> you know what you have? You have a lifetime of experience, okay? So... Becoming a social worker might be something that you mightn't even go on to do. Yeah. You might end up working in an area where you're helping people with obesity. You know, it might be, we never know. Or a health health social worker in the hospital. But that's like, exactly. I just, I that's half my ADHD, like, because I actually be, I could see myself doing anything. I could mm-hmm. be a chef, I could be, I, yeah. I could be anything. Um, but like I think this this degree is only a stepping stone a stepping stone not only is going to secure my future um, and we have to stand on my own two feet and be comfortable in life do you know regardless of Instagram or anything do you know yeah. like I actually don't even kind of work with anyone really on Instagram as of yet I'm like I'm hope I'm waiting for the day yeah. that I get you know what I want yeah. from you know Instagram and things like that's only a part of it yeah can I get your opinion on the wider issue of medical tourism and your opinion on, like, you you went to Lithuania, but you were at your wit's end after years of struggles. And no support here. Yeah, but do you think that there's, um, there's, there's people like that, but then there's also people look at it, they, they don't want to do the nutrition, the fitness, the personal development. They go straight for the gastric band. Or, do, you know, do you think that... There is people like that and would you have any kind of warnings or concerns about that type of industry? 100%. Like, I think, obviously, four years now nearly, I'm kind of very aware and wary of what I kind of post online because I know when I was at my wit's end, I would do anything to change. Sure, my pictures are being used all over online for like weight loss injections and tablets and things. So I can understand when someone... Without your consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constant. I can't do anything about it. Um, but it's like... When people are so bad and want to change, but like you're not seeing the other side of it that you actually have to put in the work. And like to be fair, I don't know what I was going into. You know, I didn't. But I suppose as I was going through it, I was getting the courage and the strength something just became alive, as I said, and I just kept pushing through it. But I've seen people that went and like, as as well, like comparison, you know, I could have a twin sister there and we could go and do the exact same thing, but she might only lose five, so I could lose 12. Yeah. You, ne- you might never reach goal, you might reach goal. Mm. Do you know? So you can't ever compare and like that, like online, oh, sure, look, she looks great. But you've t- what, what, what's she doing besides that, besides the picture? Mm. So like I'd tell anyone, I wouldn't be rushing into it. Um, I definitely, like, there's loads of support groups now, like, there's Overeating Anonymous. Um, there's, like, if you Google anything, I suppose, the GP. Your own channel is a good resource for people. Yeah, and there's like. actually, I think, the weight management are actually rolling out new programs throughout the country now, so I think there's actually, should be services available, like, in Cork as well. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned something a while ago about getting reimbursed by the government for the fee that you paid. Do you want to talk to us about that? Because there might be people listening that might be due something like that too. Yeah, so like it's any surgery. So it's cataracts, the knee replacements, all them. They're actually, the government kind of rolled everything online um, in Spain. They opened a hospital in Spain. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Uh, so like they'll set it up, you go over and get your surgery done and you get reimbursed the money. But it's tricky. It is tricky. And like there's so many people being aware of it now. They kind of... They're stopping it. Like, you'd have to follow the correct procedures. But because I was on a public witness already, yeah, I I was after doing it right, but I didn't know it even existed. So that was obviously amazing. You can't just go to Turkey, you get it done. Oh, it has, back to be to the has to be in the European Union. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And then, like, you'd be careful what clinics some people charge uh, to change the paperwork into English. Oh, and yeah. you've all this and that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah like I think in the end of the day people need to do their research because it's your life mm. you're you're actually playing with your life like I remember so. I, I come across this girl from uh, she's from the north on TikTok and uh, she went over to Turkey got the nationals done they looked amazing but she had some issues with them she kind of documented her <laughs> <laughs> did he my head yeah. <laughs> Same thing, what it was. But um, she got the Nashers done, but the Nashers now were unreal. But the pain that she was in, and then they started falling out. She couldn't eat, of course. Un but I suppose the point I'm making is like, if you have a functional set of teeth that you can nurture at home with the dentist and good mouth hygiene and stuff like that, like maybe that's great. But you know, like for me, because I, I often talked about getting my teeth done, I wouldn't go to Turkey, you know, mm. but I would like straighter teeth, wider teeth, I'd like to be a little bit taller and all these yeah. things. We're all human in the end of the day. But the thought of going over to Turkey, getting that done, and then being left with that a couple of years of pain and the debt and the money and all that you stuff. You end up pumping more money into it's it. Very hard, it'd be very hard to come to terms with you after putting yourself in this position. Mm. Nothing wrong with you, James. This is my own head that I played it out. There was nothing wrong with your teeth, only an insecurity that you had that you should have worked on that insecurity with somebody else rather than going to Turkey and no look at the situation. I know. It's Don't awful. Know. Even like, sure, I yes, had... There is bad cases where like people I, have bad experiences. Well. I had my ties, my legs done only eight weeks ago, or ten weeks ago, so I got a tie lift. So I'm caught down past my knee up what? into the groin. What's a tie lift? So it's basically all the, the skin. excess skin. Okay. So like, obviously, with excess skin, I had like an overhang from like my belly. So like, I was getting rashes... Uh, like uh, all that and like especially when you get older like you know elderly like I want, skin needs to be gone like mm. and just for myself I, that's a great reason because some people might think it might be aesthetic well it's I suppose I never wore a bikini until yeah. two years ago the first time in my life you well it, it's half it's half yeah so you, you can know? get rashes and stuff underneath the dead skin and the oh yeah like yeah. and under the arms like everywhere so like and then with the, your legs your ties rubbing IR like um, so half it, it is like medical because it needs to be done. Like, I mean, who wants to kind of throw around yeah, of course. a lot of skin? Like, yeah. And I am young and I'm like, I have my whole life carrying weight. And I'm like, now it's done. It's like I'm free. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously I'm like, I'm more comfortable and confident in my body, but... But as you age, no, and like us all... I could probably if, end up with excess skin again. I know, but we all will, and and things will start to go south. Yeah. But you'll go south like a regular person, yeah. rather than starting off at a fucking, at a worse position than everybody else. Yeah. Because if you didn't look after that skin, where are you going to be when you're 50 and 60? Yeah, you and you be? end up, sure, you can see that, like people working with elderly, they getting bed sores, and you know, I'm like, you want to even avoid that. I know that's a, a long way away. No, <laughs> Won't be long coming. You're only a young woman, and you want <laughs> yeah. to feel as good as you can for as long as you can. And even working out, I remember like working out, so I'm mad into the gym now, and like any high intensity workouts, the skin is flapping. I can hear it. Yeah. Like if we're on the floor doing like anything, I can hear it. Like it's yeah, yeah. and obviously like when you are. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm done now. Done. Well, so, so. never say never, but no, I like I was supposed to get like a, a back lift and things, but you have to be realistic. You could go on and on. Like I'll never have a perfect body. Obviously, after losing that much weight, but there's. That's a great way to think. That's that's a great way to think of it. You, you know, I, I'm. You, you accept that. Yeah, so I have to like you have to you have to put a limit. Like, yeah. do you know you you could be going on and on like even implants now. I was kind of coming and on and and then I chose not to. Um, and sure, I've really no boobs left, but like I was like, do you know what? That's like a foreign object, and like I just want to be at peace now. Never again go under a knife. 
and you know actually start living like because mm, it could become addictive to cosmetic surgery as well well like that I, I was for it, like. yeah I was going to get my legs on and I was like will I won't I um, when they are now for the next podcast 12 months time like Jordan and yeah. you won't take that <laughs> <laughs> oh, no it is addictive and it's yeah. like you know you can change anything these days it's so accessible like, I know, like huh? so so easy to hop on the plane but you have to be so careful there, there's people dying yeah. There's people losing their lives and like that, like this surgery, my last surgery, I didn't drink for weeks beforehand. I went on holidays right the week before and I did have a few, but I gave up drink. I don't smoke, I vape. Um, I used to stop vaping and like I literally pumped myself with just good nutritious food. So I'm, I'm preparing myself. What, what would you eat in an average day? So at the moment, I'm my, main, my, my maintenance calories are up around, well, when I'm active, 1900. Yeah. Um, and like I wasn't doing much after the legs there, about 1300. But I'd, I'd eat more than that. Like What kind of a breakfast? So in the mornings, then we kind of go for maybe just like scrambled egg, a bit of toast, or normally just Weedabex or porridge with bare fresh fruit. Mm. Um, like I had not out this morning because I was late before I said college, panicking, running out the door. But I prepped my lunch last night. So I made um, ham sandwich with coleslaw, lettuce, Brought some chopped uh, cucumbers, uh, cherry tomatoes, kiwi, fruit salad. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have a pack of potatoes in and mini biscuits. So that's what I brought yeah. today for my lunch. What was your food in or then? Um, I make everything from scratch, like at home, because uh, I'm lactose intolerant and I have IBS. So can't control that all the time. But I make everything. I literally, I was up in my brother's house last week because they were on holidays and I ate a takeaway, I'm sure, four nights. Loonies, Lucianos, and I don't live up that side of the city no more. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I might as well take it in now and yeah. enjoy it. And I actually felt like shit. Mm. It's mad. Like, it's, I eat like, my shopping's normally the same kind of stuff. Pastas now. Yeah. Like yeah. But all kind of whole foods and you, pro- you prepare things yourself. Everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say to your followers, the people that have supported you over the last few years? Um, I suppose I just want to kind of thank everyone really that, you know, they kind of picked me up without even realising it, you know, I suppose egging me on. <laughs> um, you know, the comments and the love doesn't go unnoticed. And I am very grateful because I suppose having the platform has given me a voice. Um, you know, we only have one life and anything is possible. We actually, we all can change. But, you know, I suppose changing might seem impossible, but it doesn't happen overnight. Like I even tell people, so my son was my son is ten nearly, so it took me ten years to where I am today. Mm. So that wasn't you know, all right. Then four years since my surgery, and here I am now starting a whole new journey that's opened up my eyes yeah. to another adventure. And I'm like, once you keep pushing, make you know, being consistent. If you're being consistent with something, pushing in the right direction. It only becomes a habit and it creates change without you even realizing it, I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, with change, there has to be change. Mm. So whether that is your life, who you're hanging around with, if you want to change, you have to change something. And if something's not adding to your life, then, you know, you have to step away from it. And nothing changes if nothing changes. Somebody it's said, facts, you know, and like I suppose some 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 people some people are quite happy, and you know I don't know some people are quite happy. Just people, I think some people might be quite happy, but they might settle. Set, settle is the word, and yeah. you know just they might think that this is all their worth, but there's more out there. For no, them. and there is like and obviously lose the way for me probably gave me that courage now to yeah. go on and actually push myself in things that I never thought I'd. Like yeah. if you told me now four years ago that I'd be what I'd be after doing to myself anyway in the meantime mm. and like what I'm doing now and what the plans for the future, I'd be like, You having a fucking laugh. Well we'll have a chat when you're forty two. Did you go down the medication route? So I'm waiting to see psychiatrists. So I actually paid private the Hazelton Clinic out in Douglas because um they wouldn't accept me onto the public. Basically it'd have to be like suicidal to be accepted into like St. Mary's and all the likes of it. Um, so I was like, I started a psychology course last year in College Com uh, through Maynooth University. And I suppose my first time in an adult setting and I was looking around. I actually was sitting at the back of the class and I was looking at everyone and anything that moved, I was like, just pure, just not concentrating. 
And then I was like, nah, the more we're doing the psychology, then goes, nah, there's something wrong with me. I was like, I'm after changing. Like, I don't be out drinking and I'm not doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I'm, I'm exercising, I'm eating healthy. I'm doing everything. Why? Like, my ADHD, I suppose, looking back now is I get very overwhelmed. Um, I'm actually very sensitive to noises, love tunes then, but actually very sensitive to sounds. Um, I'm like something that's driven by a motor. I'd be all going, then I crash. I literally, like on a weekend, I like to do things, but sometimes I literally come home on a Friday. I'm actually stuck to the bed. Can't actually motivate myself because my brain doesn't stop. I go to sleep. I wake up. Some nights, middle of the night, because I'm dreaming so much. feel like I don't even have to be sleeping some mornings. Um, my doctor gives me antitriptyl in there every few months. What's that? It's like help you relax, basically. Um, like it's not addictive yeah. me medication. I actually don't know what it's I for. It tablet. Tablet, but I take at nighttime. It does help me because sometimes I get out of routine. Yeah. And just helps me get into a routine. But medication... Being honest, I probably will need it to get through a four-year degree. I can't concentrate. You know, there's, um, you know, above in UCC, you can connect with the, the access centre up there to help people. Well, I'm registered now with DSS. Yes. Um, going straight in for all the sports. That's the first thing I've done. Um, and there's a lot around the street that you'd like yeah. support. And I actually rang them, the mental health hub in UCC the other day, and I was like, look, I have a diagnosis. Um, but I actually wait in the Hazleton Clinic for a, psych a psychiatrist, and there said it's been the new year, even private. If you want to private, I'll chat to you after, and I'll give you a phone number. Yeah, but you know what? I was like, I'll just I'll start college. You know, I've everything kind of in plan. Like, I need routine. Routine is key with me. But I was saying to my mom, like, I need to focus. I have to be retaining things. You know, it's not going to be easy doing a degree. So medication, I think I will try it. Just I, I'd be interesting to see because I am very aware of myself now. There is there is a long process, and yeah, fucking trying to find the right. It takes time to find the right mm. uh, balance, the right me medication and the right quantity of it as well. Yeah. It takes a lot. And it can take a year, it can take two years. I've nearly finished my degree. Because you have to understand how it works and then you have to understand how it works with your body and how it works with you. So it does take time. Mm. Okay. I was in UCC last year and I had to defer a year because being diagnosed with ADHD and then going through the titration of the medication. Yeah, it's a lot kind of... Nearly relapsed on drugs. Uh, so bad, like... And I had to stop. But that's not worth it, like, when you're... No, no, but it, listen, it, it didn't end at that. No. I found the right doctor then to work with him mm. and we worked at my pace, changed the medication and it worked out really well. Yeah, like I follow a load of people now. Like I'm kind of, I didn't even read my report yet, probably because it's like trying to process it all. Um, but I can follow people and see what they're doing. Like I'm on ADHD Ireland. So I've actually went down a few like online Zooms with them last week. So I think I'm just going to start doing things like that just to see. But even watching other people, I was laughing. Like I was like, Jesus Christ, at least they're actually, that's that's just part of it. And as I said, things are making sense now. Yeah, he's a very good fella. And um, I'll finish with this. He's on um, Instagram as well. His name is James Brown. He's a doctor. Um, he was in Cypress Avenue two weeks ago. He I seen him. Yeah, seed something. Is it seed? Uh, he's, that was a seed talk. Oh. That's the name of the, the organisation. Follow him up on Instagram and he has some great ways, great techniques to help you with the history. Hope to be more organised and balanced and structured. Give it a look. Yeah, it's mad, I suppose. But here we are, ADHD now, 31 years of age, starting UCC, and I suppose just changed my life around. You have to get through that worse. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, yeah. have to get through the last four years. That's 10 times. In, in my eyes, that's, that's harder than anything. Yeah. Probably going to go through it. So. Yeah. Listen, best of luck with your course. Thanks, million. You'll be, you'll be a great addition to the course, and you'll be a great social worker on the line. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me, lads. Thanks, no bother. And we see everybody next week. God bless. 
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.